I think God is a good God. You know that today marks the midway point of our 40 days fast and pray. So, congratulations, you are 20 days in. And uh, good news is you've got 20 days more. Okay, so uh, today decides the midway, and today because it's the midway, I, I, I also am ramping up my fast a little bit more. Uh, um, um, I, I, I promised the prayer altar that I anch- uh, the young adults anchored one or two weeks ago. I said, I want to finish the Bible in 40 days. I'm proud to announce that I'm about 50 chapters behind. <laughs> That's just the truth. I'm not going to lie, okay? Not going to lie. Um, I, I'm not quite there yet, but I tend to, I, I really want to catch up. Maybe it's on Monday or something, I'll just do a, a catch up on my reading. But it has been good. I, I, I discovered verses that I've read it a thousand times, but then I go, oh, I didn't realize this in the book of Leviticus. Didn't realize this in a book, and I really wanted to study the book of Leviticus once again. Don't know why, um, but it has been really good for me. Has it been good for you? The 40 days? It has been good, right? Okay, um, I, I want to call certain people to stand. And I didn't prep you for this, so just, just bear with me and stand, okay? Because today, this afternoon, just in case you didn't know, we had a baptism service at SMCC. All right? So we've got a few people being baptized, and I'm not too sure if you are here, but if you are here and you got baptized today, can I invite you to stand up? Whoever you are. That's all right. We've got one, two, three, four. Anybody else? Did I miss anybody on top? Keep standing. Don't sit down. One, two, three, four, five. Oh, there we go. I want to just say a quick prayer, you know. You are almost like our, our newborn baby, so to speak, all right? So every newborn baby, we want to pray for you, and we just want to say welcome to the family of Christ. We're so happy that you're baptized today. Uh, uh, we're so happy that uh, uh, you said yes to Jesus. I know you said yes many days, many weeks ago, but today was like you officially told the world you said yes to Jesus. We just want to cover you in prayer. Can we just stretch our hands towards them? Thank you, Jesus, for all these beautiful brothers and sisters who just decided to say yes to you today. I just want to thank you, Father God, that this is the, this is the best day of their life. I just want to thank you that you fill them with so much joy today. As they just sleep tonight, Father God, they cannot sleep because they have so much joy. Uh, but then give them sleep, and when they wake up, they have more joy. Joy in you, Jesus. So I thank you, God, that you're going to journey with them. They're going to grow into spiritual maturity, Father God, and you're going to bless them and shine your favor upon them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, guys. Awesome. I think, if I'm not mistaken, that's Timothy, right? Timothy is a four-month-year-old Christian. He accepted Christ in this church four months ago, correct? All right, welcome. Welcome to SIV. You chose the best church in the world. Well done. Well done. (laughs) No shame. No shame. Sorry, I'm a pastor of this church. No shame. This is the best church in the world. Um, I want to read a portion of Scripture. We started in the book of 1 Timothy. All right, so 1 Timothy is a great book to study. Um, as I, I read it more and more, I realize, wow, we're studying 1 Timothy. Such a great book to study. But then as I read more and more, I go, wow, it's also a difficult book to preach. It's a real difficult book to preach. So whoever's preaching uh, about women and worship, uh, uh, um, I will pray for you, preachers. Uh, <laughs> but I realize it's not me. That's why I can pray for you, okay? Um, but I, 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 we're here to start the first chapter of the book of 1 Timothy. And I want to take us through it, all right? Pastor Chu is going to preach tomorrow, and I have a, I have a strange inclination that he's, he's bringing a different angle to this, uh, the first chapter, so I'm, I'm a different angle here. Um, then I want to explain what it means, okay? 
Didn't work? Work? Work. No? It's okay. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. All right, there we go. Okay, let me read. Um, as I urged you, that's Paul. He's urging Timothy, okay? Timothy is a young guy. He's about 20 to 30 years old here-ish. Paul, as I urged you when I went to Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer or to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. Such things promote controversial speculations rather than advancing God's work, which is by faith. So Timothy is called to pastor the church of Ephesus. The church of Ephesus at that time is one of the biggest church in not just Asia Minor, but around the world. So this little guy called Timothy had a pastor one of the biggest church, and this is what he's facing. He's facing false doctrines, and, uh, myths and genealogies and controversial speculations. The goal of this command, all right? So t Paul commanded Timothy, go and say, don't teach false doctrine. But the goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart, a good conscience and a sincere faith. Some have departed from these and have turned to meaningless talk. They want to be teachers of the law, but they do not know what they are talking about or what they so confidently affirm. You know, um, as always, like a good pastor and preacher, or more like as a very good young adult that is devoted to the digital space, you know, sometimes at night I scroll through social media, all right? I'm not too sure if you resonate with me, but that's me. I scroll through social media. Um, but I scroll through with a purpose, all right? So my purpose of going on social media is not to like, I don't post things to get likes. Um, I rarely post things. So I try to post um, because everybody's been advising me, you have to post and keep up with uh, the social media world. I say, okay, fine, I'll try. But I'm also good at it. Um, but I don't, I don't go on it to get likes or to see who commented or who. But although, thank you very much for liking my post. I appreciate all of you. Thank you. Whoever's following me, I thank you. Thank you very much. You affirm my, my, my self-esteem, all right? <laughs> but the truth is, I actually go on to see what is trending in the, in the world today. I want to see what's trending for the young people. I want to see what's trending um, on, on the space. I want to see what, the, what people are saying. And one day, I scrolled through, and I came across this video. And the video starts like this. Um, doesn't really matter who was saying it, right? But the video starts like this. The video said, you know, you must always keep your mind on what that is holy, things that are pleasing, things that are good, things that are adorable, things that are, things that are, are lovely, keep your minds on these things. Because at the end of the day, when you keep your mind on these things, it will attract good things to come to you. Good things will then come to you. When you want to think about promotion, you will get a promotion in no time. You want to think about good things and think about a good wife, and a good wife will just come to you. You think about a good house, and sooner or later, you will get a good house. And then I stopped going, wow. You see, the first portion of the video quoted Philippians. Whatever that is good, whatever that is pure, whatever that is holy, lovely, adorable, keep your mind on these things. But then the second part of the video went, oh, oh, uh, because I don't want to name what I'm looking at because I don't want to call certain groups out, right? So bear with me. If you know, you know. If you don't know today, you know, some education. Um, and it says, you keep your mind on these things because it would manifest. Now, there's a new trend on social media called manifestation, right? So you keep your mind on all these good things and good things will come to you. You keep your mind on a good woman and a good woman will manifest in your life. You keep your mind on a good promotion and a good promotion will manifest in your life. And I go, wow, have I been missing out in life. 
I said, wow, if I just obey this law, you know, everybody would have been a good thing. You know, as I, as I scroll through, it would be so easy if you're not entrenched in the gospel to just be taken away and taken on to say, yes, that is what the book of Philippians is talking about. Keep your mind on these things, good that is pure and holy, so that all these things will be attracted onto you, so that you get good things. Now, what is wrong with that kind of theology? What is wrong with these kind of doctrines, right? As you, you think about manifesting things that it would just automatically appear, right? What is wrong with that, right? Because I was thinking to myself, just five seconds of the video, I was like, God, I want a Mercedes S-Class. God, I want a Mercedes S-Class. Nope, didn't happen. Oh, there we go. Just, you know, just to poke fun at it. But, you know, it's so easy in this world to be attracted to things and to attract to videos. And the video is top grade. The guy speaking was so confident. And it was, it was filmed in such a setting that it's, it's so pleasing to the ear, so pleasing to the eye. And if you're not wary and you're not careful, especially the younger believers, especially believers who are fresh, especially believers not just young in terms of the faith, but young in terms of age, if you are not mature in your scripture, you wouldn't know that this scripture is actually perverting the actual gospel of Jesus Christ. Because actually Jesus says, you keep your mind on everything that is holy, that is pure, that is lovely, because you are entrenching yourself in Jesus Christ. You're not trying to manifest these things in your life because God is your provider. God is going to be there for you. God is, God is going to be part of your soul. Not these things. And I go, wow, it's so easy. If you're not careful, you go on social media. It does not need a preacher anymore to teach you false doctrines. All you need now is AI. All you need now is a pastor. You take a picture of me and you can put me on social media uh, uh, and digitize me and make my mouth speak, all right? And make me say whatever you want me to say in this, in this day and age. So I advise you, if, you're, if you see me in, in a video on, on social media, make sure it's only by SIBKL. Then you know it's true. If it's anywhere other source, it's not. Okay, that's not me. It looks like me, talks, sounds like me, but not me. <laughs> then I, I was scrolling through a little bit more and I was reading articles, I was reading articles, and I, I stumbled across this new thing. And I go, wow, it's so convincing. See, there's this new brand of Christianity that has been preaching that you follow Jesus Christ. You follow Him. You obey His teaching. Sounds good, sounds good. I love it. You obey His teaching. I was like, automatically, I'm attracted. I'm like, yes, Jesus, yes. We follow Jesus. We obey His teaching, yes. Then it continues and says, you obey His teaching so that you can have healing and good things in your life. Then I go, hold up. Wait a minute. Hold on. It's so convincing. You follow Jesus because Jesus teaches you good things. You obey all of Jesus' laws because all His laws are good laws. When you do all these things, you would have healing and you would have good things come into your life. And that's why you follow Jesus. I go, wait, hold up, hold up. Sounds good, doesn't it? Sounds good. Like all of us would be automatically attracted to a teaching like that. Wow. And then I had to stop and I had to think, wait, hold up. What is wrong with a saying like that? And I had to pray. And he says, God, you have to reveal to me what was wrong with, with this because it sounds very sus. It's just sus, all right? If you don't know what it is, suspicious, all right? Like, it's cool. It's no longer cool to say suspicious, all right? It's cool to just say sus. So all the, all the everybody above 30 say sus, all right? Is it very sus? All right, so you got to sus my preaching out as well, okay? Make sure my preaching is no longer sus, okay? Um, and then I go, we follow Jesus because we want Jesus, 
and we want to glorify Him. If we get healing, we glorify His name. So we don't follow Jesus for our selfish ambition. So a lot of the new false doctrines that are propagated in the world, if you really study the false doctrines that are in this world, at the end of the day, they always perpetrate selfishness. It is always what it can do for me. I want to get the healing, that's why I follow Jesus. I want to get the wealth, that's why I follow Jesus. I want to get the peace and the love and the hope, that's why I follow Jesus. And that's very dangerous because we do not follow Jesus for what He can do, but we follow Jesus for who He is in our lives. He is our Redeemer, what He has done for us. He is our, he is our beauty. He is our beholder. He is our lamb. He is our lion. That's why we follow Jesus. And, and because we follow Jesus, He has already promised us. He will give us that peace. He will give us that love. He will give us that hope. It is the byproduct of following Jesus. It is not because I want these things, therefore I follow Jesus. You see, it is not just in Paul and Timothy's time that they had to face false doctrines. It is so common in this day and age that we face false doctrines all the time. I went through a, a very reliable Christian website that I, I usually go to and I had to find out all the false doctrines in the latest 100 years. And I thought I was very educated. I was so proud of myself. I was like, yes, I know about 25. I was, I was so proud of myself. And then I went to the website and I go, wow, there's 150. And I was like, oh my goodness, there's so many that I even do not know that has been propagated, not just in this country, but many other countries, in America, in Australia, in Africa, whatever it may be. And, and the point of the start of 1 Timothy is, We've got to guard ourselves. We have got to know what is truth and what is not truth. Now, let me bring you through this chapter and let me explain to you how even 1 Timothy can be misinterpreted for fake news, so to speak, all right? You see, this part, Paul says, do not preach false doctrine, full stop, all right? That's a summary. Then the next slide says, the goal of this command is love. So then, if you, if you don't interpret Scripture correctly, you can very easily interpret this verse to mean that you either preach true doctrine without the love, because true doctrine is truth, full stop, capital T. Or, as Paul is saying to Timothy, no, 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 no. Doctrine doesn't matter anymore. The goal of commanding people is love. Don't worry about what is true. Don't worry about what is fake. Don't worry about what is scriptural or not scriptural. As long as you preach in love, it's all good. What do you think? Do you think that sounds good? Is it sus? A bit sus, right? All right, okay, that's not true. But what then, what is the truth? What is, what is Paul trying to say in 1 Timothy? Do you preach doctrine in or without love, or do you preach love with or without doctrine? And I sum it up with this very beautiful quote. I really love this quote very much. And I love this quote very much because I wrote it, okay? So you're gonna have to love it together with me because I wrote it, all right? So you have no choice but to like it. You see, theology without love is sanctimony. Love without theology is sanctuality. Theology without love is sanctimony. Don't worry, I'll explain it. Love without theology is sensuality. What is sanctimony? Sanctimony is self-righteousness. That's sanctimony, right? You're very sanctimonious today. You're so self-righteous. I was looking for an S word. This was the one that came to me, so um, it is what it is, okay? It's a huge word, I know. But it's very self You see, if you have theology, but you don't preach in love, 
I can tell you all the right doctrines in the world, but if, I don't, if you don't feel the love of the preacher, if you don't feel of the love of a, of a leader, whatever, whatever it may be in a Christian circle, that at the end of the day is self-righteousness. Because I'm telling you what to do, but, but I'm not loving you as a person. Self-righteousness is sanctimony. But love without theology is sanctuality. Do you know, I really love love without theology is sanctuality. i tell you why. In this day and age, more and more so, as we progress among the years, there is a huge debate about love. As you may or may not already know, everything is about love. And the whole world wants to define what the word love means. And love means to the Americans one thing, to the Australian one thing, to Malaysian one thing. I'm just naming countries, all right? I'm not picking on your nationality here. Um, love means many things to many people. But the question to you is, what is love? What is the right way to love? What do you think? What do you think is the right way to love? And there's only one answer, by the way. There's only one answer. God is love. Love is not a feeling, just so you know. Love is not your own self-truth. Love is a person. The person is theology. Theo, God. Logi, the study. The study of God. Love is Theo, that is God. The moment you divorce God from love, you get sensuality. Because you make up what your own love is. You make up your own definition of love is. And therefore, love can be about anything in this entire world. I can love myself the way I want to love myself. I, want, I can love another person, whether guy or whether girl or whether non-human being, whatever that means to you. I can love anything in this world. I can love the things of this world. I can love many people at the same time. And the world is defining things. And the definition of marriage outside the Christian circles have been broadened from marriage between a male and a female to a marriage between, there's 50 different types of marriage, just so you know. There's 50 different ways the world can get married to one another and have relationship to one another because the moment you remove God and theology from love, all you get is sensuality. And sensuality is only defined as the pleasure of self. Again, I say, whenever you see something that is sus online, you have to ask yourself, what is the end goal of this thing and this person that is teaching me? Is it about me and selfishness about what I want, then you know automatically it's a little bit sus. But in a true doctrinal, biblical theology, it has always got to do with Jesus Christ. It is always, when we love, it is always because God is love. And I want to I I answer this question because I know you're asking. Then how do we know what is correct theology and how do we know what is correct love? How do we then discern? Because we have to have a balance theology and love. We cannot have one without the other. How do we balance it? I give you five points each. How do you test sound doctrine? Five points. How do you know a preacher is fake or not fake? First, is the teaching correct the Christology? The teachings have to be about Jesus. And by the way, who is Jesus? This is Jesus. Jesus is the living word. Jesus' his word became flesh, John 1. This is Jesus. Teaching has to be about who Jesus is. Nothing more, nothing less. 
As long as the doctrine, as long as the teaching is about Jesus, the moment you hear something that takes away something from Jesus Christ, you know it is not real. I was, again, scrolling through social media. I told you, I, was, I, I do my research, all right? I was scrolling through my social media, and then I, 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 this really convincing video, it convinced me for the first five seconds, even me, all right? And this, this guy said, you know, Jesus Christ, he lived in Egypt for the first 30 years. And in Egypt, that's where he got all his uh, teaching and all his, uh, 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 he learned all from the best of the scholars in Egypt. And then he, he learned also from Egyptian mythology. And then he came back to Jerusalem and then he brought Egyptian mythology into the, into the Torah. And that's where he get all this resurrection thing because Egyptians believe in resurrection as well. And then after that, I went, hold up, very sus. Very, very sus. I should have been sus by the fact that Jesus lived in Egypt for 30 years because he did not live in Egypt for 30 years, just so you know. But at the end of the day, everything online is so convincing because at the end of the day, all they want is for you to follow them and what is in it for them. And then I go, that is not correct Christology. So you are going to need to know what is Jesus to you. Who is Jesus to you? You're going to need, you're going to, need to wrestle how is he fully man? And how is he fully God? You're going to need to wrestle. Why did he came to save us all? Save you. He died on that cross. You will have to wrestle. How did he save all of you? Just by the death of one man can save seven billion people? Really? How does that work? What does that mean? You have to wrestle. Because if you do not wrestle with Scripture, then you would very easily be led astray. Second point, does the teaching lead to holiness and obedience? Does it lead to holiness? You see, every time we teach Scripture, it should always lead to holiness, not happiness. That's just truth. Whenever we talk about how do you get married, or how do I serve in church, or how do I be part of a cell, or why should I come to SIBKL, the reason should always usually be because God wants to make you holy. Why do you get married? Is it to be happy? No, although that's a good pie product. You should be happy in a marriage. But at the end of the day, it's really to make you holy because you, not re you will never realize how selfish you are until you get married and live with another human being because that person will tell you how selfish you are. <laughs> All right? It's just true. Why do you go to a cell group? Why do you have to love visitors? Why do you have to love new believers or newly baptized people? Because at the end of the day, it's to make us holy. It is to learn how to love. It is to learn how to care. It is to learn how to teach. It is to learn how to journey. It is to learn how to... Some people can be very nasty. Not you, don't worry, Timothy. You're good. You're good. Some people can be very nasty, but you still need to love. Does it lead to holiness in your life? Why do you get a job? Is it just to make you rich? Good, good, good byproduct, all right? Take me out for lunch, all right? Good byproduct. Is it to make you powerful? Very good byproduct. Also, take me out for lunch. Very good byproduct. But ultimately, it's to make you holy. Ultimately, it's to make you set apart in the workplace. Ultimately, it's to bring Jesus Christ into the workplace. And that's when you know you're teaching the right scripture because it is to make you holy. Why holiness? Because God is holy. You cannot remove holiness from scripture. The moment you remove holiness from scripture, you are not preaching God our Yahweh, our Jehovah, full stop. Does it agree with other scriptures? As long as your, the doctrine does not agree with other scriptures, you know it is not right. How long was Jesus in Egypt? Okay, you go find out, okay? 
You have to go find out, all right? Go, go look. Not 30 years, I guarantee you, but how many years? Is it three? Is it three months? You have to go find out. Otherwise, somebody tells you 29 years and you go, yeah, mm-hmm, 29 years, 30 years, right? No, it's not. It has to agree with other scriptures. Four points. Does it produce the fruit of the Spirit? Every time you, you, you open up the Bible, does it produce the fruit of the Spirit? Let me ask, are you getting more loving, more peaceful, more hopeful? Are you have, do you have more patience? Do you have more goodness? Do you have more kindness, faithfulness? Do you have more gentleness? Do you have more self-control? If the answer to all these questions, the nine fruit of the Holy Spirit, is actually, I'm not too sure, then you've got to ask yourself, are you following Jesus or are you following your own flesh? Because following Jesus will always produce holiness and produce the fruit of the Spirit within you. Last one. Of course, is it communicated in love? Or is it communicated so that the person can control you? Or is it communicated because the person wants to be smarter than you? Or to put you down? Or to judge you? If it's all those things, then you know, well, hmm, is it communicated in love? That's how you know you can test sound doctrine. Amen? You want to know how to test sound love? Okay, five, point, five points. How do you test sound love? I take this from 1 Timothy chapter 1, all right? So the verses are there. You can read it for yourself. Sound love stems from a pure heart. What is a pure heart? A pure heart has pure motives. That's what a pure heart means. It means when you love another Christian, there is no motivation in your blood or in your bones for monetary gain, for power gain, for control gain, or for love gain or relationship gain. There's none. So I want to say today, everything you do when you love, it stems from a pure heart, a pure motive. I want to speak to the campus and young adults just a little bit. If you're older than that, I think you're okay, I think. When you come to church, it should be from a pure heart and a pure motive. All right? You love God because of loving God. And you journey and you go into a cell, not because of pretty girls. That is not a pure motive. You want to join a cell group and you join SIBKL because of the great teachings, the great presence, the great scripture, you know, the great people, the great community work, the great cell groups, the great worship, the great whatever it may be. Yes, okay, come for that good motive. But the moment you say, I want to come to SIBKL because I heard there are a lot of young pretty girls here. Check yourself. All right? But it is true. We do have a lot of young pretty girls here. It's true. It's true. But that should not be the reason why you come to church. That 100% should not be the reason why you come to service one. All right? All right? Just protecting the girls here a little bit. You should always come because of Jesus. Always come because of God. Second point. Sound love stems from a good conscience. What is a good conscience? A good conscience is where when you speak and everything overflows from you, it is always aligned with the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit is sort of like a conscience, right? The Holy Spirit will tell you what is wrong. The Holy Spirit will tell you what is not so right. The Holy Spirit will tell you what you're guilty of, what, you sh- what, what is not right in your life. And a love should always stem from a good conscience, that I'm not here to manipulate you. I'm not here to do anything bad to you. I'm here just to purely tell you the truth that is Christ Jesus. So the moment somebody comes up to you and tells you about Scripture in order for their own personal gain, a little bit sus, all right? I should actually title my sermon, A Little Bit Sus, all right? That should be the correct title of my sermon, A Little Bit Sus. And it should always stem from a good conscience. And actually, to be honest with you, and only you would know. That's the problem. 
That's why so many of us are so easily drawn into the things of this world and drawn into what people say because only the person themselves can tell whether my motivation and my motive is good or not good. And it's for us to discern. Third point, it should stem from a sincere faith. And this is how I know Timothy or Paul is saying that you should communicate the truth in love, not devoid of the truth, but together with the truth, because the truth should always be based on a sincere faith, a genuine faith in Jesus Christ. The moment you remove Jesus Christ from the equation, you will get all kinds of love in the entire world. You know, the last time I was here, I said it before, so I might as well say it again. Um, um, the latest thing in the Christian world is the Sparkle Creed. Um, it, it baffles me. If you don't know what a Sparkle Creed is, it's the Creed. You know, you know about the Apostle Creed? You know the Nicene Creed? Okay, next time I'm here, I will, have, I will we'll read the Nicene Creed and the Apostles' Creed, okay, uh, together so that we all are educated on our founding, 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 founding church fathers. Uh, they made a creed in order to counter false doctrines. I should have done that today. Don't know, I forgot about it, all right? In order to counter false doctrines, see, the Sparkle Creed says that we believe in God who is love, and love is, applies to everybody, whether you're male or female or non-male or non-female or non-everything, whatever it may be. You can love anybody you want because God is love. And I go, wow, that's the way of the world. And we have to be really careful because the moment you take God out of love, you get sensuality. That's all you get. You get the indulgence of your flesh. And God is saying, no, God gave us love because he is love, because love is still to be remained holy. And that is why in this church, we believe one man, one wife, the key word here is one, and the key word here is man and wife. All right? That's the whole thing. And we believe, don't go sleep around. That's because we believe the sanctity of marriage is holy. That's about it. Full stop. And I believe that scripture. And if you don't agree with me, you can converse with me. Just don't throw stones. Okay? Just converse, converse. Let the scripture talk to you. Okay? Fourth point. It should always be God-serving, not self-serving. Love should always be God-serving, never self-serving. And I always have to take a check on myself as well. So I also want to admit that, hey, you know, I have to take a look at myself because sometimes I don't do things that are right. And I always have to say sorry to people because I always have a self-check to say, wait, hold on, is this right or is this not right? Is it God-serving or did I just self-serve myself? So you've got to ask yourself, why do you worship God? Why do you come to, why do you come to church to worship? Is it because you love Jesus because of Jesus? Or is it because you just want the blessings of Jesus? You've got to check. Because God says He wants to love you for Himself. Because sometimes we can go through a lot of things in life. If you love God only for the blessings and you go through hard times, it's going to be very easy for you to fall away. Because then it would crash your whole world of who Jesus is. It has to be God serving. Why do you serve as a worship team, as the Connect team, as a Mac team? Why do you serve? If you serve because you want to prove how good you are, if you serve because you want to sh show your talents and how good you are, as whatever it may be, then you've got to take a self-check because all serving comes. It has to be God-serving. Why do you join a cell group? Why do you serve community? Why do you do mission work? It has to be God-serving. It has always to be for the glory of God, nothing else. The moment you take that glory, God says many things, but he's, in a nutshell, he says, watch out. 
Watch yourself because pride comes before the fall. He saw Satan fall like a lightning. Pride comes before the fall. Amen? And the last one. And I found out only recently, because reading scripture, remember? I didn't really remember that in 1 Corinthians, what is love? Love is kind, love is patient, love is whatever it is, right? But also love rejoices with the truth. Love rejoices with the truth. So you've got to self-check here. If you don't agree with what God says, then you've got to ask yourself, do you have God's love in you? Because if you have God's love in you, you rejoice with the truth that God says about your life. Because God's truth is meant to lead you to holiness, lead you to following Him and to be more like Him every day. You would rejoice in the truth that God has spoken over your life. So you've got to ask yourself, do you rejoice with truth? And that's why some people, they don't, they, don't, they reject the truth and they want their love all for themselves. So I repeat, theology without love is sanctimony. Love without theology is sensuality. But theology plus love is Christianity. Amen? It's Jesus Christ. Are we many, are we many followers of Jesus Christ? Do we love Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ only? Amen. And I want to continue this. So here is where we go. Be careful of what you watch online. Be careful of what you consume on the internet. Be careful of what your friends tell you. Be careful of everything. Everything, make sure you test it, not in judgment, but always test it in love so that, so that, this is the second part. This so that is very important. I want to continue reading this, all right? So this is, yeah, this is the good summary. So that. But why do we have to do all this, right? This is where Paul says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer, that's Paul. Okay, fine, me too, I guess. And a persecutor and a violent man. I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on, on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ came into the world to save sinners. Now, who is Jesus Christ? This is Jesus Christ, right? Of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Jesus Christ, might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, and the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that, there we go, that's the so that, by recalling them, you may fight the battle well, holding on to faith and a good conscience so that, so that you do not suffer a shipwreck of your faith. Why do we need to have sound doctrine? Why do we need to have sound love? So that you fight the good fight of faith. This world is out to rob you of your faith. This world is out to steal you of your faith. This world is out to say that at the end of the day, this little faith that you have is pointless, it's useless. But, but Paul says to remind us all, keep fighting the good fight, holding on to your faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and suffered shipwreck of their faith. You know, it is going to be a sad thing if one day you shipwreck your own faith. It means that you're going by a boat. You are a huge ship that is, that is sailing the oceans. And then one day you just shipwreck, just like the Titanic. 
You're shipwrecked because you hit an iceberg and you were not strong enough to avoid it. You don't know how to test the, the wrong doctrines. You don't know how to test what is right or wrong love. You don't know what it is, what your Christianity, what your faith is all about and you shipwreck your faith and we don't see you ever again and that's really sad. And that's why Paul says, and that's why I'm also pleading, fight the good fight. But I want to ask, what kind of fight is this? You got to know, what fight are you fighting in this world? It is not a fight for a promotion. It is not a fight for the biggest house. It is not a fight for even the biggest church. That is not a good fight. It is a fight for your faith. The enemy only wants to steal one thing from you. That is to steal your faith. And that's why I titled my sermon today, What is your main story? What is your main story? I take this from, I take this from a computer game or computer games plural, um, what is your main story and what is your side quest? If you play computer games, you would understand immediately what I'm saying. But for those who don't play computer games, the holy people, all right? Because <laughs> you don't play computer games or mobile games, handphone games, whatever it may be, okay? Uh, you don't, because it's okay, because I know you spend your time reading the Bible, right? That's why you don't play. I understand, of course, of course. I'm the same boat as you. I don't play anymore, all right? <laughs> <laughs> if you play computer games, you, or, you always know that in every computer game, there is always a main story. There is a main story and a main quest for you to finish. You have to finish. The moment you finish the main story, you finish the game. You understand what the main story is, the, the story arc of the whole computer game. So just so you know, every computer game, there's a story, okay? There's a very, there's a very high-tech, awesome story to every computer game, all right? That, that's why people are so engrossed in it, because they really love the story, just so you know, okay? All right? But in every main story and in the story arc, there's always a side quest. There's always things you go. So if the main character being Leon, because I play Resident Evil, okay? If you play, you play. If you don't, it's okay. There's Leon or Chris Red, Redfield. So he plays, you wanna, you wanna fight the zombies, whatever it may be. I was young, okay? Look, I was 14. I still remember, I was 14, okay? You wanna, you wanna fight the zombies or whatever enemy there is. And then one day, the computer game says, hey, there's a side quest. Would you like to get a better gun? If you want a better gun, you go on this path. And then you finish it, you get a better gun, you come back to the main story. And you go, hey, there's another side quest. If you like a better armor, take this path. Go get a better armor. Then you, you take this side quest. You have many, 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 many side quests in your life. See, the story is what is, your, what is your main story? See, if you do not know your main story in your life, then you cannot identify your side quest. So I want to ask is your main story the story for the fight of your good faith? Because your main story could be your family. Your main story could be your work. Your main story could be your prestige. Your main story could be how good looking you are in this life. That could be your main story. And faith just becomes a side quest. So every Sunday or Saturday, uh, five o'clock, there is a, there's a ping on social media that says, service one is starting. You go, oh yeah, that's my side quest. All right, so because you go along the main story of your life, which is, let's just assume, I want a good girl. That's my main story. So I do everything so I can provide for this good girl. I can get a good job, good family, uh, good job, good money, whatever it is, so I can provide for this good girl because I want a good girl. But then I go, okay, it's time for church. That's my side quest. All right, let's go to church. Complete, completed service one. Okay, let's go back to the main story. Then I go, oh, Wednesday night. Oh, let's go for sale. Hmm, I don't really want to take this side quest because you don't have to. You can still finish your main story without taking a side quest. Okay, fine. This week, I want to take the side quest. I go to sell. I finish it, then I come back. Okay, this is my main story. And that's how some of us, we live our life. That what, 
our main story is, is our main thing in our life. And Jesus is just a side quest. Oh yeah, there's 40 days. Oh yeah, this is when I remember to read scripture. Because that's side quest to you. But Paul is saying, Timothy, as I be careful, make your faith your main story. Make your faith your main quest. The main thing in your life that you fight for. The main thing in your life that people are trying to derail you from. The main thing in your life that is the focus and the objective of your life. My faith. Because I can assure you, your work will not get you into eternal life. Your, your as beautiful as your girlfriend is, will not get you into eternal life. You can have 10,000 children all you want. All the best to you. But that also will not get you into eternal life. You could be the most good looking. You can have a facelift every five years of your life. Great, good for you. But that will not get you into eternal life. So what is your main story? What is your main quest? Let faith be your main quest. Let us go. I will walk with Jesus every day of my life. That is my main quest. That is my main story. Jesus is my main story. I want to get to Jesus. How do I get to Jesus? I got to, I got to, coming to church is one of my main things. Doing my quiet time is another of my main things. Going to cell group is another of my main things. Serving in church is also a main thing. Being faithful to the Word of God is another main thing. Evangelizing to my, my friends, telling my friends about Jesus is another main thing. Coming to service one and coming up to the front and jumping in front is also my main thing. That should be my main thing. Yeah, that should be my main thing. I think so, I think so. Dressing cool and younger like me should be my main thing. But my side quest would be, oh yes, I got to do my work. All right, I'll do my work well. I'll do my work well. Let me get my promotion. That's my side quest. Let me get my house renovated. That's my side quest. Let me get my car polished and nice, which is good. Let's please polish your car. That's my side quest. Let me get my, my friendship in order. Let me let, make sure I eat well. That's my good side quest. Let that be your side quest. But what is your main story today? What is your main story? And only your lifestyle will be able to tell you what your main story is, where your great focus is, where your great objective is, where your great divine purpose is. That will be your main story. And let Jesus be your main story. Because at the age of 24, I decided what my main story is. My main story is my faith. And I tell you who my Jesus is. And I told Jesus at the age of 24, nothing in this world will ever rob me from you ever again. I will follow you all the days of my life. I will surrender myself to you and you will use me however you want to use me. Send me into this world and I will go. You say go, I say go. You say jump, I say jump. You say swim, the greatest channel. I say swim, the greatest channel. Because I know to whom my God is. I know that I want, I'm not sowing only in this life. I'm sowing in the life after as well. I'm also not just sowing in my life and the life after. I also know that I'm sowing in my family's life. I'm sowing in my church life. I'm sowing in the sheep that I'm looking after. I'm also sowing into the people that I'm, I'm mentoring and I'm discipling. I'm sowing into their life. And I know to whom I live my life for. And I know to why I fight my great fight of faith. Because Jesus Christ is my great Redeemer. Is He your great Redeemer? He is my great Redeemer and He deserves everything that I have. Jesus Christ is the immortal. He is the invisible. He is the first and the last. He is the great sufferer and the great lamb and the great lion of God. He is the great Redeemer that redeems my life. He is like the song we sing. He is Elohim, 
the God who is everywhere and everything. He's the great El Shaddai, the God who will provide for me because He's more than enough. He is my Yehovah Yireh, who is a provider for me. He is Rafa, who will heal me. He is Shaddai, who is the Lord my God. He is, he is everything to me and that is who my Jesus is and that is why I fight the good fight and I will not allow anything to come between me and my faith. I will not let any blessing and any pleasure come between me and my faith. I will also not let any suffering and pain come between me and my faith. I am resolute, I am firm, and I will wish and hope that I will end my race well. So now the question is, what is your main story? Make your main story Jesus Christ. No one else and nothing else. Because believe me when I tell you, when you make your main story Jesus Christ, the fruit of that main story will be a peace that lives with you that no other man can give, that no other money can give. It will be a love that encapsulates you even though no man will ever love you. It will be a hope that lives with you even though no man can ever give you hope. It will be everything that you have and that is why I hold on to my faith. This I believe to whom I belong, Jesus Christ. As I believe in God my Father, I believe in Christ the Son, I believe in the Holy Spirit, my Lord, three in run. I believe in life eternal, and that's to whom I believe. Who do you believe in? Make Jesus Christ your main story, and make Him your main story today. Amen, church. Amen, church. I'm not in it for the favor. I'm not in it for the blessing. I'm not in it for the healing. I'm not in it for all these things. I'm not in it for the wealth. I'm not in it for the good looks. That's not why I follow Jesus. But thank you, Jesus, if you give it all to me. Hallelujah, I will not reject it. But I follow Jesus for Jesus. Will you follow Him for who He is? Do you believe in Him? And if you believe in Him, would you stand and sing this song with us? This, I believe. We believe in You, God. We believe in Christ the Son, God the Father, the Holy Spirit. We believe You rose from the, the grave. We believe You seated at the right hand of the Father. We believe You are our eternal, our immortal, our invisible God. We believe You are the most humble. We believe You are the greatest. We believe You are omnipresent. We believe everything in You, God. We believe in Scripture. So I thank You, Lord God, that whatever we go through in this life, Father God, whether persecution or pain, whether pleasure, Father God, I pray we will never stray from the path. In the name of Jesus, we will fight the good fight of faith. We will not allow our faith to be shipwrecked by someone who said some random thing. We will not be shipwrecked by the pleasures of this world. We will not be shipwrecked, Father God, by the pain of this world. But Father Lord Jesus, our two feet will stand on the firm foundation that is Christ Jesus and we will follow you all the days of our life. We thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, church. God bless you.